0: Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio.
1: It's Fizz Radio here on the score 1260. Ian Unsworth and John Eads with you until the 10 o'clock hour. We've got a lot to talk about. Before we get into it, check out our stuff at orangefizz.net online, also on the Twitter at OrangeFizz. John, Syracuse falls in the ACC tournament to Virginia, but the Orange could still be in the path to the big dance. We'll discuss all those scenarios today, as well as who is the key for Syracuse to make a run in the NCAA tournament, because some players really stood out. In that ACC clash against Virginia. Also, of course, Fizz Feedback, everyone's favorite, and maybe Gil Gross, uh, my former co host, might join the show. But John, let's get into some bubble talk, because that's what everybody wants to hear around the 315. According to Joe Lenardi's latest, Syracuse, despite the loss to Virginia, still in the field of 68 as the 68th
0: team. But as of today, destiny is out of their hands, right? You lost to Virginia. Had they beaten Virginia, they're a lock. Lenardi said it himself, they're a lock. But you lost. Heartbreaker, of course, 72-69. Beekman hit that three at the end. However, the Orange did have some good news today on the bubble front. Boise State got blasted by Nevada. Did you watch that game? I tuned into a bit of the first half. Nevada was shooting the lights out. And I had question marks about Boise State even coming in because uh, even Colorado State, none of these Mountain West teams have played anybody. If they play in the ACC... They play that rigor of a schedule. There's no way they go above 500. Yeah, the drop-off in the Mountain West
1: is serious. It's like there are three teams that are top 45 in the net rankings, and then the next best team is like 97th. So there is some real disparity in the competition that those teams are playing. Another big thing to note, Xavier uh, lost to Butler in overtime. What? John, We were jumping around in our room uh, absolutely ecstatic that the Butler Bulldogs pulled off And uh, I I don't know if it was a rock fight, but it was not a pretty basketball game, to say the least. There were a lot of turnovers. There were a lot of mistakes in the final minutes. Many free throws missed. However, Laval Jordan's squad pulled it out at the end, and Xavier fell, pretty much knocking them out of tournament conversation. That's what initially got Syracuse in the night before Syracuse played Virginia, and the day that they absolutely smacked North Carolina State.
0: So, looking at bracketology at specifically the last four in. We'll talk about the last four buys and all that stuff. So, you got Drake at the top. You think they're, they're probably in. They gave Loyola Chicago a pretty good fight in.
1: Without their without their best two players. Dude, Drake is missing its two best players due to injury. One of them is coming back for the NCAA tournament.
0: Exactly. So, what a 25-4 and four squad that is out of the Missouri Valley gave Loyola yeah. Chicago a fight. Uh, I think they'll be in. Then you got Boise State. Like we said, they lost to Nevada. And then there's Colorado State after that. What's their status?
1: Well, Colorado State's playing the late games, John. It's really tough to keep an eye on a team that starts at 1130 every single night. I got to say, there's not enough coffee in the world that can propel me to watch an 1130 Mountain West basketball game all the way through. However... There's, I think only one Mountain West team is going to make the NCAA tournament out of this three, as it should be. It's not going to be Boise State. They already lost. It's got to be Colorado State or Utah State. And as things are arranged right now in their bracket, they could be on a collision course Saturday night. So that might even itself out. Two other things to keep an eye out for, though. The Big East is an absolute... Crapshoot this year, now that Villanova's Colin Gillespie, Villanova's best player, their senior point guard, is out for the rest of the year. Uh, le- left knee injury, it- it's serious. I don't remember the exact specifics, but he's out for the year. He's done. So, Seton Hall beat St. John's earlier today, and the Pirates are weaseling their way up the first four out, and with a win over Georgetown, Georgetown, in. In the Big East semifinals, Seton Hall could be sitting right there. And a Big East tournament championship looks pretty darn impressive. And then also you've got Old Miss, who kind of out of nowhere in the past couple of weeks has propelled itself up to bubble status. So, uh, how
0: about St. Louis?
1: uh, I don't know. St. Louis had a massive COVID pause in the middle of the year. And once again, if we're talking resumes... Theirs isn't the greatest. Out of the- they, they have two quad one wins, but they're, they, they've are they only played three quad two games. Yeah. So the Atlantic 10, while it's kind of been beating itself up this year, is not great resume-wise. So I don't think St. Louis makes it. But I, I got to keep going back to Seton Hall because that's the scary thing for me. A, yeah. a conference tournament championship, even though the Big East has been down this year, is scary for me. When Syracuse might have two quad one wins, depending on where North Carolina ends up. North Carolina has been absolutely demolishing teams in the ACC tournament so far. They just took it to Virginia Tech uh, when we uh, right after we recorded, or right before we recorded this. Excuse me. Um, North Carolina looks really good. I picked them to win the ACC tournament, and that that could be a could be a prediction. Developing that, take. Yeah, developing take. Let's let's just put that out there. But back back to the Big East. Let's reset here. Ian Unsworth, John Eads on Fizz Radio, talking bubble stuff. And Seton Hall is making their way towards the last four in conversation. Even though the Big East has been down this year, a conference tournament championship is very impressive.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, a big big injury there for Gillespie. Excuse me, Gillespie. Yeah, Gillespie. And Nova loses. Everyone expected them to just lock up that championship, and there would be no kind of bid stealing here. But now you got a situation where Nova can take a bid, even though they're playing just terrible. They're they're going to nice. get they're going to get in the tournament. They're nice. going to get in the tournament, and then Seton Hall could potentially steal a bid that Syracuse could get. So yeah, that's a developing story there. If you're a Syracuse fan, I know you hate Georgetown, but perhaps maybe give them a little you know elbow to the to the ribs. To, come on, guys, get a W here, you know. Um, another thing too, Boise state, like we said, lost and they are out of the last four in, I assume because they did lose. So I believe Utah state will kind of flip flop with them. So now in the last four in, it should be Drake, Colorado state at two Syracuse up at three. And then probably Utah state is the last team, man, I would believe on the next bracketology. As we said earlier,
1: Colorado state and Utah state could be on a collision course, to meet in the Mountain West semifinals. Cross your fingers, hope that happens, because that'll pretty much eliminate one of them. And Old Miss is set to face LSU on Friday. We're recording this Thursday night. Old Miss is going to face LSU Friday night. That'll be the big one. Yeah. If LSU wins, which they should
0: by all accounts, that will clean a lot of things up in the SEC department. Ole Miss well on their way to a W right now against South Carolina so so yeah exactly right but Ian I kind of want to talk about some of the teams even ahead of Syracuse in the last four buys seg- uh, segment you got UCLA UCLA lost earlier today they did they lost Oregon
1: State Go Bears, baby. <laughs> John 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 is an Oregon State uh or he's has an affinity for Oregon State uh, for a long time now. <laughs> But uh, regardless, UCLA in a Pac-12 that's been, speaking of conferences that have been absolutely terrible, the Pac-12 has been awful this year. Uh, Oregon, not even in the top 25, is the number one seed, and those teams have just all been all over the map. UCLA lost to Oregon State today, they were a five and a half point favorite, and in, in overtime too. So UCLA is the first team on this last four buys list. So the loss might drop them down one or two spots. But Michigan State
0: lost to Maryland. Michigan State's such a weird team. They beat three different top five teams. They beat Michigan the other week, and then they come out and just lay an egg against a good Maryland team, but still. Michigan State lost like twice to Maryland in two weeks. And and when you mentioned
1: beating those three top 10 teams, it wedged in there. They had a loss to the Terps. It doesn't really make any sense. But, John... Riddle me this. What if the forces align and Syracuse
0: and Michigan State meet in the first four? That'd be awesome. I don't think there's any way Syracuse loses that game. We've watched a good amount of Michigan State basketball this year as Big T- Big Ten guys. I don't think they can compete with Syracuse. And we all know what happened last time they played in a tournament setting.
1: Michigan State doesn't have outside shooting. That's that's their biggest issue. They have, in- they have guys that can shoot but are extremely inconsistent. And their big guys don't really match up well with any prominent big men in the Big Ten. So, Marek Dolzhai should at least have a decent time. And, uh, hey, you Je- get Jesse Edwards in there, he might have a size mismatch. Yeah, this look good. Really does. Also, Louisville yep. is still on the last four buys list for some reason. I don't get it. Louisville lost to Duke, and Duke uh coveted itself out of the... <laughs> ACC tournament that's a new word yeah I I just made up a verb there folks Duke traveled back to Durham on a bus after beating Louisville because the Blue Devils for some odd reason didn't want to stay in Greensboro so they travel back to Durham stay in the hotel overnight that they've been staying at for the whole basketball season and then they have a positive COVID test
0: it sucks. It really does, cause Duke was looking real dangerous. Duke was
1: looking good, but I would call that a serial case of overthinking things. Yeah, like why leave? Why leave the place where you are playing basketball to put your players on a? First of all, the bus ride at in as a whole does not sound fun. You have a bunch of, you know, six foot five and up guys just cramped up on this bus after playing a game, yeah. and then there's the whole COVID situation involved. Louisville. But on the positive side here, we know Louisville struggled with COVID and all of their players have tested negative, at least as far as we've heard. So like it wasn't something that happened before the game. It was just probably on the bus ride back or maybe the morning after. But regardless, as it stands, Louisville still lost in their first game of the ACC tournament.
0: And how they are secure as a last four by is kind of beyond me. It doesn't make any sense. And you, it's as simple as pulling up the net rankings. Let's go ahead with it. You got Syracuse, 39th in the net rankings. And the field is made up of 68 teams. They're almost at the top half of the net rankings. It makes no sense to me how we're talking about Syracuse. I don't know, whatever. I mean, obviously the quad one, but I digress. Louisville down at 57th. 1-5 in, in quad one games. We're talking quad one. Yeah. Like, there's no difference. Syracuse, 1-6 in, in quad one. That could become 2 in. 2 and 6 right with the win over UNC potentially.
1: Yes, UNC UNC should be sliding UNC right now is 32nd. They should be sliding up into the top 30, especially if as I predicted, they go off on Florida State.
0: Right. So, I mean, obviously, you know, it doesn't it's just numbers and stuff, but Syracuse is 39th in that rankings, Louisville is 57th. I mean, come on, guys. And then You can take a look down the line. Louisville's done well in quad two, three, and four, but so is Syracuse. And the Oranges' record is 16 and eight versus 13 and seven. I don't know, Ian. It's just just weird to me. It's starting to make no sense. How can you be 20 slots better than somebody in the net rankings and still be an entire column back on Lenardi's packetology? You want to hear something ridiculous? In terms of the net rankings, Michigan State is
1: 67th. Yeah, 15 and 11 on the year are the Spartans. 3-8 3-8 and eight on the road. The only thing that really saves Michigan State's resume is the fact that they've played 15 quad one games. Yeah,
0: that'll do it.
1: And that's just the strength of schedule coming in. There's nothing... If you put Syracuse in the Big Ten, they'll have 15 quad one games. It's not like the Orange could really choose who they played and where. It's it's really just an extantuating circumstance. Because Michigan State wasn't good for most of the... like. Michigan State picked it up in the last two weeks... Of the Big Ten season. And saved their tournament chances. But Michigan State was not good. For most of the season. So. The being in the Big Ten really saved MSU. Last but not least. Our Mountain West uh, foes. Utah State. Colorado State. They are 49th and 50th. Right next to each other. Both of them have one more quad one win. Than Syracuse. As of right now. But. Utah State's only played two quad two games. Colorado State's only played three. Exactly. So if Utah State has played eight quad one and two games combined out of twenty four,
0: like what does that say about your resume? It's terrible. Your strength. Your strength of schedule is weak, and it, it's just it's it's annoying. Like. I think people just get so hung up on, hey, let's give these teams a chance. Hey, this team is 17-3. and and Let's throw them in there. Look at the schedule. If Syracuse is playing in the Mountain West, they could be undefeated. It's really not that hard. All right? I mean, San San Diego State is good. San Diego State is good. Don't get me wrong. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Fine, fine. But Boise State, Colorado State? Nah. Nah. Come on. Like... Put, put the rosters together. Syracuse has a much better roster. They would fare much better in the tournament. If either of these teams get a bid, even if Syracuse gets in too, and they get blown out in the first round, I'm, I'm going to be saying, told you so. Maybe if Syracuse gets in
1: and gets blown out in the first four, then it'll just come back to, all right, maybe this was a developmental year. It's COVID. There are a lot of reasons why Syracuse fans can be happy with just making the big dance by itself but there are also some reasons why Syracuse could make a sneaky little run in the NCAA tournament we'll discuss some of those when we come back don't go anywhere it's fizz radio on the score 1260 back here on fizz radio Ian Unsworth and John Eads run with you until the 10 o'clock hour remember to check out our stuff OrangeFizz.net and at OrangeFizz on Twitter. John, we talked about some bubble situations, but let's talk about why Syracuse pretty much played played itself into the NCAA tournament uh, last week with some great ACC tournament performances, an 89-68 win over NC State, and then the heartbreaker, the seventy-two sixty-nine loss to Virginia, where Reese Beekman, a player that only hit nine threes this year, hit a, hit. The, you know the game winner. Yeah,
0: yeah that, was, that heartbreaking. was heartbreaking.
1: It was absolute bone crusher. Yep. But but regardless, Syracuse looked really good. They did. They did. And it all started with Buddy Beheim pulling out the torch. Like Buddy had thirty-one. And twenty, twenty-seven, 27, yes, 31, a career high, an ACC
0: tournament record for Orange players. Buddy Bayheim was in another dimension. And uh, there was another stat we found, too. First Syracuse player to score 20-plus back-to-back since, and no one's going to guess this. James Sutherland yeah, right. in 2012, back-to-back against Seton Hall and Pitt in the Big East Tournament. Yeah. But continue. So, yeah, I'm... Good performance. I mean, the stats back that up. Really good, really good game. I thought Coach Bayheim called a very good game. He played Robert Braswell today for 27 minutes, and he deserved to play every single one of them. The guy was electric. 2 of 4 from three. Had some key rebounds as well. Got into foul trouble a little bit, but he, he played his guts out today. And I'm hoping that Syracuse continues to go back to Braswell off the bench going forward. Jesse Edwards only played two minutes today. That was an interesting piece, but... The game-to-game difference between the, the January matchup, the late January matchup, which Virginia won 81-58 to and today, just monumental. I got to re- I gotta rescind my uh, Bobby Braz takes early
1: in the year saying that he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. He, he did not develop under Coach Beheim. There's a reason he was a two-star recruit. Well, there's a reason he came to Syracuse, and he's really put it all together, yeah. I would say, in the past week or two because he's in the right places on defense. He's not forcing shots, but he's making the open ones. And he's a valuable contributor on the boards where it seems like they really need him. And just overall, being in the right place at the right time, Robert Braswell has improved tenfold at just doing that, you know, positioning himself properly on the defensive end. And it was interesting that we didn't see Edwards against Virginia, but I didn't think the game warranted Edwards. Syracuse did a pretty good job of stopping Jay Huff down low. He only had five shots, which I'm perfectly okay with. Uh, For Virginia, the box score looked like Sam Hauser with 21. He made some really tough shots down the stretch. Murphy had 15, hit a couple big threes late, but Hauser and Murphy were a combined 6 of 22. Excuse me, 6 of 21. But still, from behind the arc, they did not shoot the percentage that they shot in late January. And that made the difference. And also, Syracuse getting out to a double-digit lead early made the difference. Syracuse has finally figured
0: out how to start fast. Yeah, Yeah. and the Orange had the lead at halftime, too, which if you would have told me that the night before, I would have taken that every day of the week. But, yeah, a really good performance. Syracuse really looked like they belonged. There's some good and some bad. Buddy Beheim's 31. As far as the bad, Alan Griffin, woof. Three points today, 12 minutes. He really struggled, and Coach Bayheim knew that. He didn't really play him that much, but he was forced to insert him back into the lineup late when Braswell got that fourth foul. He came out, had a shot blocked, and Virginia kind of controlled it from there. I'm not going to lie. But like you said, Hauser, Murphy, Kihei Clark, they made some big shots down the stretch. Shots that, you know, guys that have played in some guy not Hauser hasn't played in a national championship, but some guys that have played in those big games, been in that big spotlight, they made the plays, in that situation. So moving forward, is Griffin the key guy that needs to figure it
1: out cuz well, they almost won without him. So so so, so, so that's, that's a no. I'd say no. Yeah. yeah. So what is the key for Syracuse to make it to say the round of 32? Because I would I would argue that if Syracuse continues playing like this and they are stay hot, Bayheim stays hot, Garrier can somewhat dominate down low. They're going to make it past that first four matchup. And they could, depending on where they're seated, I would think it's 11, maybe an 11 or 12, something like that. They could make it past a five seed or a six seed, depend depending on the matchup. I agree. But put the matchup aside for a second. What has to happen for Syracuse to get going
0: in the first four? Got to give Beheim some help. Garrier played well too. I wouldn't say Guerrier's a key because he kind of brings it all night. Now that I think about it, I mean, Alan Griffin, I think, has to be the key. I mean, Syracuse doesn't need him to play well to win, but three points today, if he if he gets any more than that, they probably win this game. You know, I i can't say Gerard because Gerard's just not going to do it. You can't beat a dead horse here. Dolzhai only had six today, but I thought he played well on both ends of the floor. You'd like a little bit more out of him. You'd like him to be a little more aggressive in late shot clock situations Kadari Richmond played 17 minutes, just two points for him. He did have three assists. So for me, I'm gonna rescind my previous take and say it's Alan Griffin. Griffin is a luxury,
1: I would say, to have scoring at this point. Three points, though. That's like... three points is not great, especially when they came from three free throws. That like those his only buckets were three made free throws off of a shooting foul. It it just when Griffin gets in the game and they start giving him giving him the ball, there's no offensive flow. It's really just Alan Griffin ball. So if Griffin gets going and it's Alan Griffin ball, it's going to be super duper it's gonna be a super duper amazing result, or it's going to be awful. It's like when Tyus Battle
0: ran the offense in twenty eighteen. Well you go back to the North Carolina and Clemson games, Buddy Beheim still played well and Griffin got going, and the Orange ran away with both of those games. But after what we've seen in the ACC tournament, doesn't it make more sense to just say, forget about Griffin, we're giving Buddy the ball, and we're going to ride or die with him? Yeah, and I like that Braswell's getting more time as well. I like that he's the first guy in for Griffin, because we saw what he can do today. Bobby Braz has to continue to play some pretty big minutes, I think.
1: Down low, you mentioned Marek Dolezal not putting up the most impressive game on the stat sheet. But I thought he really brought it in terms of defensive intensity and also just not picking up fouls. Yeah. He only had two fouls. Yeah. Like that's That for Marek Dologai against a seven-footer is super huge. Mm-hmm. That needs to continue throughout the tournament because I love what Jesse Edwards has brought to the table, and it's really nice to have him have a good game every once in a while. But it can't be Marek picks up four fouls with 11 minutes to go in the second half and then it's Jesse from here on out. It has to be Jesse plays in the first half, giving Marek breathers. So then down the stretch,
0: Syracuse has its best five on the floor. Good point, because Edwards has literally zero offensive upside. I mean, you go from Dolajai, who is the craftiest player in the paint, perhaps on this team, to a guy like Edwards, who has absolutely zero paint. Edwards presence. can't. He can't dribble the ball. He has nothing. He can't, he can't dribble the ball. Dribble the ball. He, he's. You know, he's good on the boards, but anytime he has to put the ball on the deck, he's got nothing. And obviously, he's a a good asset defensively with his size and everything. But yeah, like you said, Dolezal has to continue to play. He played 40 minutes today. If he can stay out of foul trouble, that's great. But I think, like you said, Edwards can give him a little bit of a break off the bench here and there, and that's key. All right, so out of all the things we've discussed, what's the one thing Syracuse has to do to make it past that first game? I would say you gotta have at least ten points off the bench. I've talked about how they gotta shoot the ball at least forty percent from three. They nearly did that today. They did lose. They didn't hit that. But I think you know you don't need to get it all from one guy. But between Braswell, Edwards, and uh, Richmond—excuse me, Richmond—if you could put together ten points between the three of them, that's a good lift off the bench. Especially on a day when you know Allen Griffin's got three, Gerard's got three, and the starters are just kind of slow. I think you need at least 20 points from your big men
1: to advance in the NCAA tournament. Okay. You need Garrier and Dolezal, and, and maybe Edwards. Yeah, 14 from Garrier, 6 from Dolezal against Virginia. You need some sort of combination of 20 points in the paint, at least. Because Beheim, Gerard, Griffin, Braswell, the perimeter players will get you in some assortment of 40-plus a game but you need that inside threat to open up shots outside. Yeah. Whether it's on the rare offensive rebound or the drive and kick from Richmond, you need to have a threat down low so Bayheim can have open space. So Marek Dolajai or Quincy Garrier, whoever it is, but one of them needs to get going early and the other needs to chip in. So I'm saying 20 points for the bigs for Syracuse to inc- increase not their probability of winning, but the chance that they really put together a solid performance. That's not something you see every day. That's nuts. Not something you see every day from Syracuse. But hey, it worked. It, well, it didn't work in the win-loss column, but Syracuse played itself into the NCAA tournament field Standard. right now. Well, it's still a wait and see on whether that's final... But as of right now, Syracuse is in the NCAA tournament field. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. Fizz Radio will be right back on the Score 1260. We're back. It's the Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Ian Unsworth and John Eads with you until 10 o'clock. And we have a pretty familiar guest. No, it's not Tyler Rocky or Tim Leonard. It is Gil Gross who used to be my co-host with the most, and now he's out doing all sorts of things. Gil, how are you doing?
2: Well, I'm uh, I'm good Ian. How are you? Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: I'm I'm doing just fine. So, Gil, first things first, did you catch Syracuse in Virginia? I would hope you did, but what were your what were your initial impressions on what was a heartbreaking loss for the Orange?
2: Yeah, well, there were. Uh, every- Everyone, I'll premise this by saying everyone was safe and healthy, but there were some COVID complications on my end, and uh, I caught a lot of the game on on the radio as I was driving from Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, back to Syracuse. But, look, my impression of the game is, man, did it go uh, a lot better than it did last time against Virginia. Obviously, you don't like that offensive scoring drought in the second half, but it seems like Syracuse was able to have success in, in two areas. One, using Quincy Garrier to attack Sam Hauser, which is one of the few defensive holes that Virginia has because there just really isn't much there. Uh, And then Buddy Beheim is just a different shooter now than he was at the beginning of the season. And it's really hard to understate how big that is for Syracuse. Oh, so obviously a tough loss to Virginia, but the
0: Orange did get that big win over NC State, Gill, and they're kind of right on the bubble still well in the conversation. I think they're the last team or the second to last team in the tournament right now on Bracketology. What do you think about Syracuse in the tournament? Are they in or are they going to sweat it out till Sunday?
2: It's definitely a sweat. And the, the biggest thing that concerns me is probably just the, if you look at their road neutral wins, there's four of them and two are against NC State. And that's probably as impressive as it gets, right? There's nothing. There's no road wins that are come, you know, more impressive than NC State. So I think that's one concern. But ultimately, if you actually look at the bubble and and throw that all aside, it really does seem like Syracuse with the success that they've had in the ACC with a solid winning record there and just not having any bad losses on the season besides possibly the, the home loss to Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, it, it does look like the chances are that Syracuse will, will have a better resume than some of those pesky mid-major teams, especially in the Mountain West Conference, that have kind of been in the bubble picture, but have been taking some losses recently. Uh, but one thing that, that will be important is uh, San Diego State winning the Mountain West Conference so that they don't steal a bid. Yeah, we
1: talked about the Mountain West teams earlier and compared did some resume comparison um colorado state and utah state have played a bajillion quad three and four games compared to syracuse so in my opinion and i think in john's opinion as well their resumes really have no you, know, you can't really stack them up against each other but yeah. one thing i am worried about Gil, and i, I want to get your opinion on this seton hall is making a bit of a push towards a big east tournament title and they've been sneaking up the ranks is that enough to cause Syracuse fans uh, a little angst?
2: The Big East is kind of scary because you also have Georgetown in there and you don't want Georgetown to to win the Big East, right? I mean, now that would be a shocker, but they're, they're two wins away. So there are a couple of situations like that. I don't really think that Syracuse wanted to see Georgetown-Villanova for two reasons. And then Seton Hall is kind of in a similar case. You know, they're, they're a team that, came into their conference tournament really out of the picture. And and certainly, you know, they, they they are a couple wins away from stealing a bid from Syracuse. So one thing you definitely don't want to see when you're on the bubble is some uh, conference tournament Cinderella runs. And unfortunately, the Big East has a, a chance to provide two of those. And, and you hope that Georgetown and Seton Hall don't prevail.
0: And one other angle I want to do attack in regards to the bubble. We looked at a team like Louisville, even Michigan State, some of those teams that are in the last four buys. When you look at their resumes, when you pull up the net ranking, Syracuse is 39 as of today when we're recording this, and Louisville is 57th. Louisville's quad one, one and five. Syracuse now, what, two and six because North Carolina is North a quad Carolina. one
2: win? So, no. No. No, no, North Carolina. Now everyone, and this is actually part of how I was going to answer the question, Everyone assumed that North Carolina was going to jump up into the top 30 after beating Virginia Tech. And I believe what they were 32 in the net. So I, I believe they actually went down one to 33 after beating Virginia Tech because all of the other teams around them won. Uh, it is a, the, the net. The net rankings are they are a mystifying, mystifying thing. And I think that's partially what you were getting at there, John.
1: Gil, let me pose you this. If North Carolina beats Florida State, which I think there is certainly potential to happen, then mm-hmm. they should jump in the top 30, correct? I, I don't think we can really pander about the net rankings anymore. You just got to look at that as an extreme quality win.
2: I completely agree with you. I already do. And and this is kind of the other the flip side. I, I gave you the negative at the at the start where I'm kind of concerned about their resume on the road and in neutral sites. The positive is you know, Clemson is a good team. UNC is a very, very good team. So in that respect, you know, and Virginia Tech, uh, another ranked team who I don't really believe in this year, but also uh, a team that's that's pretty impressive. So all things considered, Syracuse has beaten really good teams. They've beaten some of the top teams in the ACC, and yet none of them have materialized into quad ones because of the net rankings and the fact that Syracuse played those games at home. So Syracuse,
0: I would say is passing the eye test right now, a couple huge wins there down the stretch over UNC Clemson and then NC state in the tournament. And Gil, let's assume the orange make it into the tournament on Sunday. Okay. What does this team need to do to make a run?
2: To make a run. um, Well, I think that Kadari Richmond has, has changed this team. If you look at the big picture, And when, when he has started to play more and more and more Syracuse has been better and better, uh, buddy Bayheim is the 37 ish percent shooter that he was last year again. And, you know, that makes him a a very, very lethal player in this conference. Quincy Guerrier needs to finish at the rim. Uh, when he attacks the rim, he needs to, he needs to capitalize. And that's what was happening at the beginning of the season. And then it stopped at the end of the season which was a problem. Alan Griffin has been wildly inconsistent from start to finish. You just don't know what you're gonna get and you hope when you need him, you get a good day. Uh, Dolajai has not really looked as aggressive offensively recently uh, after injuring his middle finger. So it would be good for him to take a little bit more initiative than normal. And in terms of the defensive end, I, I do think that the the play has really fluctuated all season, but with the addition of Jesse Edwards, the rebounding is less of a problem uh, because you can you can throw him in there and he can help you in there, which is great. I do think that the perimeter defense is is still a concern because the the guards and the forwards are just not really solid defending the three yet, even if the statistics tell you otherwise. So it's also a matchup thing. You know, Syracuse wants to play teams that aren't menaces on the offensive glass, but also don't shoot the three ball that well. I'd
1: say Bobby Braz has played himself on the floor. Alan Griffin's really played himself off of it. In terms of matchups, we mentioned it earlier, maybe Syracuse, Michigan State in a first four, you know, we, we, see, we can see how that can turn out. So I'd like that a lot.
2: Yeah, I, I know you would, Ian. Um, <laughs> Look, I'll tell you what. I I do question sometimes the selection committee. I don't want to have my tinfoil hat on here, but I do think that sometimes, you know, they they gravitate towards setting up those kinds of matchups. That's that's big for the tournament. You know that 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 would be a that would be a big win for all of the tournament's television partners. That's and I'll just leave it at that. I'll just no, leave it at you that. Got,
1: there you have it. That's a money grab. It's big bucks for the NCAA and probably some good TV for Syracuse fans as well. Gil, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate always having you on, and hopefully you can hop back on the Fizz Radio mics with me in a couple weeks.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. I do plan to do that.
1: Awesome. Don't go anywhere. Fizz feedback after the break. Taking you home here on Fizz Radio, Ian Unsworth and John Eads with you until 10 o'clock. Remember, check out our stuff, orangefizz.net, or on Twitter, at orangefizz. John, you got the polls up. Bring it to me. Time for Fizz feedback. And I, I
0: think we put out some good ones this week. Let's get it going. We did. A little later, a little bit later, we put them out on Thursday night. so We, got, we had to later. wait for the Virginia game. We had to just sort of wait and see, take the temperature. Right, but shout out to all you guys out there for the good traffic here. Let's get it going. So the first one, is Syracuse in the NCAA tournament? The options were Yes. No, or Depends on the Mountain West? At this point, I think it might be more Depends on Seton Hall than the
1: Mountain West. But if I don't pick yes, I'm going to get run out of Onondaga County.
0: So the answer is an overwhelming yes. And uh, the Fizz Nation agreed with it. 84% of the votes for yes, 10% no, 6% on Depends on the Mountain West. And then Timothy 11405632, a lot of numbers, said about to have two Q1 wins. And like we discussed
1: with Gil... Maybe, maybe. UNC UNC should really be a quad one bit because boy, that team yeah. looks good.
0: They look so good. Number two, here we go. Who is Syracuse's second most important player? in in parentheses, the first being Buddy Beheim. The options are Marek Dolajai, Alan Griffin, Quincy Garrier, and Kadari Richmond. Who, that's tough. Okay, so, I don't think it's Alan Griffin.
1: He's played himself out of that conversation. In the past four games. I'd love to say Kadari Richmond because I know fans in Syracuse have an affinity for him. However, he's been hurt and he just hasn't done done enough as of late to deserve that label. So it's gotta be one of the bigs, Guerrier or Dolajai. While Guerrier is he's a he's a good scorer, right, there's some times when he's just too inconsistent. And defensively, he's on and off. And it's not really his fault, but there are just times when he switches off. So I got to go Marek Dolajai. I know sometimes the fans in Syracuse have not been with Jim Beheim and, and agreeable-wise, there have been some real real beefs between the fans and Beheim. But Jim's been saying all year that Marek is the most important player on this team, um, and I would say second most, because Beheim, when he's got the cannon, he's got the cannon. But I'm, I'm picking Marek Dolajai just because of the defensive... I, the ability he showed in the ACC tournament, and also the
0: fact that he's the best offensive creator Syracuse has. I understand your reasoning, but Fizz Nation disagrees with you oh, yeah. and oh. with Jim Boeheim. Quincy Garrier. Wow. Okay, do, do, we get, do we get any explanation in the comments? We did not, but at Bobby Watts said, at Quincy Garrier, for sure. So.
1: Okay, well, let, let's think of it this way. Quincy is probably going to score the most, or at least the second most, on the Syracuse team. And well, like you were saying
0: though, saying though, the fact that you were questioning it so much was good because you were talking about the inconsistencies on both offense and defense. and if he is more consistent, then I think that makes him the fact that he the fact of his consistency, I think makes him the second most important player, if you will.
1: I guess that it, it's just really hard for me to to be fully behind Quincy Garrier when I know there's so much more potential he can unlock yeah. in terms of his skill set. And also just the fact that Jesse Edwards, at times, has kind of slotted in and played Garrier off the floor because Dolezal can play the four now.
0: Mm. So that's, that's just tough for me to take. However, I understand. So it. the votes were Quincy Garrier, 45%, Dolajai 35%, Alan Griffin, 11 and Kadari Richmond, only 9%. A little interesting there. But anyways, let's move on to the third and final fizz feedback here. What do you consider, quote-unquote, success for SU in such a wacky season? Making the big dance, the round of 64, a win in the round of 64, a win in the round of 32, or other.
1: Well, I have to say making the tournament, because it looked for a lot this year that this team was not going to have a chance at March Madness. And the fact that they scratched and clawed their way back, I'd say is good enough for me. You know, in future years, it's not, but right now it is.
0: That's a good point, because we were kind of going back and forth on this. Syracuse, you know, a perennial program, a blue blood. You know, making the big dance should be expected. But Fizz Nation agrees, making the big dance, 50% of the votes, round of 32, 38%, and then 6% round of 64. We had two others. At G Fence says this team could make a Sweet 16 run this year if Jim plays Kadari enough and uses Brad, Braswell and Edwards strategically. I don't disagree with it. And then Charbo Twelve said, "This program should never have a wait and see approach." I'm not blaming coach. I just don't get how storied programs can fall to mediocrity, especially when they seat thirty-five thousand fans. Now, I'm not sure the, I'm not sure the seating plays into that, but yes, I agree with that take wholeheartedly. Yeah, in the next couple
1: of years, Syracuse has to get it together. But right now, we're just happy there. Hopefully going dancing. That's all the time we have for today. For John Eads, I've been Ian Unsworth. Thank you so much for listening. Go Orange. We'll catch you next Saturday.